You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The world isn't wide enough. Get immersed in the expansive views of the 48-inch customizable panoramic display in the all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid. Explore more at Lincoln.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, it's that time of year where we are trying to organize and prep and plan for the upcoming season. And some of the gear that we use takes batteries. Now, you should go visit your local Interstate Battery store or visit interstatebatteries.com to check out all the different varieties of batteries that they offer. They have truck batteries they have batteries for your trail cameras they have batteries for your range finder and everything else that is electronic that you use for your hunting equipment they have batteries for that interstatebatteries.com awesome company check them out welcome to the diy sportsman podcast with your hosts garrett prawl and boudreaux boswell I've been doing way too much summer scouting. I have a fear that if I do way too much, then I'll burn out before a season comes in. Then I won't even want to hunt. <laughs> I don't know. Some of these spots I'm finding, like that buck bed I found, it gets me so excited for opening day when I can slip in there one afternoon and and I'm gonna have to be super stealthy and quiet. And like, I mean, take me an hour for that last. 50 yards to get to the tree and then another 30 minutes or more to get in the tree quietly so yeah yeah it's tough i mean you have to take some time off i feel like you can't just go straight well i suppose you could but i mean like you said you can burn out a lot faster especially how much work it is all right out out there now to bust through all that stuff it's way easier to get that worked out in february march mm-hmm. i wish i'd done that i mean look at some of those spots i was out yesterday it's it's so thick and, and green you can't see 30 yards. And then I see the video of yours when you're out there in the winter or March, whenever it was, and you can see so clear out through there. Oh, yeah. It gives you a better perspective. It's night and day. And plus, you're looking at what it looks like in October, November, December, mm-hmm. not what it looks like in the first week of September. Yeah, because September's going to be, it's going to pretty much look like it looks now. It'll start dropping a few, I guess. Yeah, because it'll be probably what first week of October before the leaves are really start, in full change, and yeah, then start turning by mid late October. Most of those leaves have fallen down. Yeah, it's uh, the maples are the ones that tend to drop first, isn't it? They turn orange and fire red, and 
Yeah, I mean, about the same time, all the aspens are starting to turn yeah. yellow too. Yeah, those will be. Yeah, those will be one of the soonest, the yeah. early ones, and then the the maples, and a lot of the areas that I've scouted has. I'm not sure whether they aspens or birch or what they are. They're white bark. Some of them look like paper birch because they have the bark peeling. You, it looks yeah. like the stuff you could burn. Yeah, that'd be that'd be your. And if it's got the little like red buds in the leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be. That's always kind of how I learned like birch versus poplar. Would you look at the. Well, none of these are poplars. Where, or, um, where unless, you, I see a lot of poplars. Unless they're a different variety of poplar, because what I know is like tulip poplars don't look like any of these trees here. I, I, people call them popples, and they're yeah. talking about birch or, no, uh, no, or, or aspen or something. Yeah, so aspen, <clears throat> I can't remember what kind of aspen it is, a certain kind of aspen that most people around here are called popple. Popple. Or poplar, either one. <clears throat> they're so talking about that aspen. But it's not, not really a poplar. They're not, they're not talking about birch. Yeah, but it's not a poplar yeah, tree. It is. Is it in the family? Well, I guess I don't know. I've heard I always assumed that a poplar and aspen of those species were, were no, the same thing. If you've seen thing. a poplar tree, an actual, like a yellow or a tulip poplar tree, they're dry land. They won't grow anywhere where these, these trees or these aspens are growing. And I've, had, I've heard that since I've been up here. A lot of people call them popples. And then I hear people call pop, say poplar, and I'm thinking poplar, not these aspens I see. I mean, they yeah. might be in the same family. I don't I know. Usually, I usually call them aspens, but... Most people call poplars or popples, either mm -hmm. one. It's more common terminology. <clears throat> I've heard popples a lot. So anyway, what are we talking about? Are you going to do an introduction or? Yeah. So basically we're sitting here in my basement with <laughs> Shane Simpson recording a podcast. And Shane's been on here a couple times. You've done podcasts on what? turkey hunting before you did a and podcast with us with, with tracking, Callie yeah tracking blood tracking all. I, how did your your turkey season finish up I mean, how many birds did you either film or, or kill yourself or I got eight myself <clears throat> and one was the the wounded one I had to, to put down so that really wasn't a a hunt in a typical fashion I mean <clears throat> we were out there hunting excuse me and I saw the turkey across the field and it had a leg injury and I knew if if I got up and let it see me, that it would probably hunker down in the tall brush, and that's exactly what it did. And basically, I just walked over there and flushed it up and shot it. So, um, other than that, I got seven other ones in the traditional sense of hunting, and I filmed, I think, a total of 18 kills, with the, you know, counting the eight I killed. So, 10 other ones with other people. Um, so, it was a pretty good season. I, I wouldn't say it was my best, but it was right up there, top three, probably, yeah. as far as. Um, and I, when I rank a season, I usually rank it not the number of birds we kill, but um, how consistent we were. You know, it seemed like every every day or every other day we had a, we had a bird either shot at or or killed. So I mean, it was like a fifty percent success as far as if we didn't kill one today, tomorrow we were most likely going to kill one. So that was a that's how I would rank it. It was very successful in the in the fact that. Pretty much, if we went out in the woods, we had a good chance of uh, having a uh, uh, what would you call it? Uh, maybe not kill opportunity. One. Yeah, an opportunity. That's the word I'm saying. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I got to start figuring out a way to get more more all day hunts in the woods. I think that's my biggest biggest issue. And that's vast majority of them are. Hey, I got you know a couple, wake up at 4 a.m. Get out there for the roost basically before work, and then go back into work and 
and then try to roost them yeah, again. I don't, I don't know if you really need to concentrate on all day. And I, I tell a lot of people that it's like if you want to really, a lot of people, you know, they're, how, how can I do something to be better at it, or whatever. The more time you spend out there, obviously you're going to have more opportunities or chances at, at turkeys. And if, but if it's on a day you can't hunt all day, then at least attempt to get out there to roost them. Because every time I roost a bird, I'd say it's more than half the next morning we kill this bird. I mean, it puts you in the driver's seat because you know exactly where he's at and you can get, you know, in a position to, to set up on him where he's likely going to go or where he wants to go. Whereas if you just go in there in the morning and you start owl hooting or trying to locate one, you want to get one to gobble, it's usually starting to get light then. Now you don't have yeah. the cover of darkness to move around. So yeah. if you can at least roost them, that really puts you in the driver's seat for the next morning. Well, in a lot of my birds, that's how I've killed them, is I've gotten in there well before light, before anything's making any noise and just set up and... And, you know, maybe one out of three times they'll do what you think they're going to do, and the other two out of three times they fly over the next ridge and yeah. it's private land or whatever else. <laughs> That's why I don't like going to that spot you and I hunted right next to the river because yeah. it's it's a one-and-done deal there. And if you can't convince them to come, because they normally roost across the river, if you can't convince them to fly over to where you're at, then and it's only a small chunk there that you really can't run yeah. a gun on. Well, and all that other stuff, too, that I was trying to get on, that new stuff I was learning this year is all the same type of deal. You hike in there, and if it... If it didn't happen, if you went the one way or the other, it was like that was your opportunity. You might as well walk back another hour to get back yeah. to the truck. And I, I used to hunt a lot of those small tracks like that where you you basically go in there and you try to get one to gobble or, or you hunt it and it's a one-and-done deal and you just hop around. And this past year and maybe the year before that I started on it, it I've been concentrating on bigger tracks like Whitewater down in southeast Minnesota. I hunted it quite a bit this year. and it's 20 what 20 something thousand acres or something like that it's bigger than that even yeah i mean and so you have you don't have to hop in the truck and run over here i mean you can there but some of the areas i would hunt i would plot it out on the map like okay this is where i'm gonna start and i'm gonna work this whole area here and i've got all day i can cover that and and most of the times i didn't make it a quarter of the way and we were killing birds and we killed i think three birds or two birds there and had an opportunity at one other in that same area and, and you know not in the same spots but you know in the I, same lines same yeah, same routes within three or four ridges yeah we killed those birds so i mean that was that's kind of the strategy i went into this past spring is looking for large chunks even like mississippi and, and tennessee when i went out of state you know i wasn't necessarily looking for like where's a spot that's gonna have turkeys and i can get into i wanted a, a big track Especially when you're out of state, you want to cover a lot of ground. That was my my thinking going into it. And in Mississippi, it, we kayaked in there, and, and there was some pretty big chunks and covered some ground. I ended up getting one on the second second morning or second day. It was like noon or one o'clock when I finally killed it. But um, that was the strategy I went this year: the big big chunks. Gotcha. So, I, so moving on into the topic of getting ready for deer season. Last year, you didn't really do a lot of deer hunting for yourself. You did mostly. It seemed like you did more. I did more. I did year. more last year than I did the year prior. The year prior was my first year tracking deer with Cali, and so I, a lot of times, I would be headed to the stand in the afternoon, and I'd get a call and I would just abort those hunting plans. Um, this year, or this past last fall rather, um, I told myself I was going to put some 
more time, dedicate more time for myself to hunting. I still didn't hunt as much as I normally do, but like I would go, say to Wisconsin, and, and the year prior I would take Callie with me, and because where I was staying, I could keep her down in the kennel, and if I got a call, I would take it. Well, this past fall, I was like, I'm going there, I'm leaving Callie at home. <laughs> if somebody calls me, tough. Yeah. And and that and I did. Let's see. The first year I did. Um, was it 38 tracks or, or somewhere along that line? Close close to 40. This past year it had about 10 less tracks. And so it was, I guess, 10 extra days of hunting if I actually hunted them. So I, I did hunt a little bit more. And this year I'm, I'm going to at least hunt that much this year. Because, I mean, with Minnesota legalizing tracking dogs this coming this fall, um, I won't have to travel as far. That was the big, the biggest hurdle for me the past two seasons. I would drive all the way to Wisconsin, so I may be on the road for an hour and a half, two hours to get to a track where yeah. I imagine now that Minnesota is going to be legal this fall that I can run 30 minutes to a track and, and still maybe have time to hunt. You know, so. So then, in, in terms of those days that you do have that you are going to give yourself, you're going to want to be pretty pinpoint plan because you don't really have time to spend a few days to figure it out you're trying to get a lot of that scouting done now as much as you can at least yeah and and i've been hunting these marshes and stuff and that's what i'm concentrating on this year um i've been hunting them i fell in love with them when i started when i moved up here 11 years ago and i started hunting them but i didn't target like most people if they're listening probably and they deer hunt they know who dan infault is and it is in his swamp bedding and buck bedding type of deal and I've watched some of his videos, and, and I'm kind of using some of his strategies. You know, my scouting this year was to continue hunting marshes, but maybe try to target buck beds. It just seems intriguing to me to, to go in there and find them. And then, and so I'm, I'm finding spots that I think are going to be good locations. I'm picking out specific trees. And so far, I have about 10 or 15 spots that I've scouted through my scouting that I may hunt this one tree opening day. The next opportunity I get to hunt, I'll hunt this spot. And they may be, you know, 30 or 40 miles apart, but that's kind of how I'm going about it. Whereas in the past, when I hunted some of these public spots, I'd find a good travel corridor where I could shoot a doe or whatever. I didn't care what was coming through. I wanted to shoot a deer. And I would sit three days straight in that one tree. And then I'd move to another location and hunt it three days. And my thinking back then was, if I give a trail three days, Odds are I'm gonna be on that over that trail on a day that a deer comes by, and that was kind of my strategy. So this year I'm, like you said, I'm pinpointing locations. I may go in there and hunt it once, and then the next time I go to another area, and, and I'm not only focusing on buck bedding, but I'm also kind of focusing on areas that I'm, I'm a, have a high likelihood of seeing a deer. Period. Yeah. And or at least see them out there in the, in the marsh, and I can kind of adjust because they're not always the same the same setups no no i mean one's one's a, a small island with what looks like a buck bed on the end of it another one is just kind of a little bit higher ground it's not even really an island it's still mucky up in there but um way back behind it some hardwoods and, and there's a bed on the edge of one of those it's so it kind of would be an island of sorts, but and some of them are just good areas where there's a lot of trail traffic back and forth and intersections. So I mean, uh, but each one, I've specifically picked out a specific tree 
to hang my stand in. So when I go in there, based on the wind and everything, the conditions, I'll sneak in there quietly. And that's something I've really um, been lazy about in the past. When I go to a spot that I think is a travel corridor, I'm not really worried about deer being bedded near it. Yeah. So I just go in there and walk to it, hang my stand, didn't worry right. about too much about noise. And then right at dark, here comes a deer down the trail, you know. This year, I've not only I want to be quieter just because I don't want to risk bumping deer that are going to be close. I mean, but I think that's a good practice anyway. But the other thing is I will potentially be within one spot that's going to be like 40 yards from where the deer's bedded. And I think it's yeah. the best tree for the situation. And so I've got to be, you know, I was telling you earlier, I, it may take me an hour to close that last 40 yards to the tree. And it may take me another half hour or more to get into the tree just to be super slow and quiet. Because once I get up eight or 10 feet, I may be able to see into his bed. When I was there scouting, it didn't look like you could but I wasn't up in a tree. Just from ground level, I was like, there's no way he's gonna see me even at 40 yards, but that's that's kind of the yeah. where I'm going into this well, year. I think one advantage you have over a lot of guys that are starting to pick up the style of hunting is even if you haven't like had that focus in the past, like having had turkey hunted with you, like you know when you're getting on a bird, you know when to kind of turn the switch and get you know very precise in everything you're doing mm-hmm. and pick up on little things and, and seeing how like all these leaves are you know, the scratching is fresh. They just mm-hmm. went through here. All these little little kind of things that a lot of really good hunters, deer hunters anyway, they pick up on those little things. They're, they're not just looking at the map and saying, hey, this is a spot that looks yeah, similar to what I saw on the DVD. Um, so I feel like once you start applying these things, like you're gonna be able to pick it up pretty quick. I, I hope so. I mean, and that's all woodsmanship. I mean, you look at, and, and I, could, I could touch on that a little bit. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, downplay camo and this and that and it's like oh the the deer only see shades of gray or they can see a little bit of blue but i think about the bigger picture there's other animals out there besides deer there's turkeys there's squirrels there's songbirds there's all kinds of critters out there that can see color for instance that's why i you know and it may just be a mental thing of me i want a camo pattern that that's colored correctly for the what i'm hiding in and 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 look like what i'm trying to hide in you know, a lot of people, they just want something that breaks up the outline because they're only worried about the deer. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about the whole picture, whether it it's, you know, actually helps or not. You know, that's beside the point. It doesn't take any effort, to extra effort to pick a different pattern. You know, so, I mean, <clears throat> so that's kind of the things that I do when I'm out there. I mean, I'm looking at all the all the clues and and, and whether they help me or not, I, I try to, you know, apply them if I think they might help. So what have you been doing in terms of your strategy for getting ready for this fall? Like your exact, just, you've been walking around finding beds, obviously, but like what's step one? You're looking at the maps first, I'm assuming, yeah, the aerial photos? There's a lot that goes into it, and I'm sure a lot of people use the same strategy. You know, first of all, I'm looking at, you know, I'm trying to find chunks of public, and I'm concentrating on marshes mainly. Uh, the, the biggest thing is it deters other people from going in there. My, my biggest thing about hunting public land is solitude. I don't, I don't care that it's the biggest buck coming through or whatever. I want to be in a spot that gives me an opportunity to see deer and not see hunters. You know, I can go mm-hmm. a week without killing the deer, but as long as I can go out there and it's peaceful and quiet and I don't have people want, going under me, that's a big deal for me. So I look for these big chunks of public that have places that people are not likely to go. Not to say they won't go, because I always seem to find an old deer stand or or like the one place I found a salt block out there on this island that was half a mile out in the marsh. So, um, 
but that's the first thing I do is look at a map, obviously, and I'm looking for, you know, like on Google Earth, I can go back in the timeline, look for deer trails and see if they maintain these trails each year. And so then I, I, I call that a, um, I forgot the term I used on my map, but basically it's a, it's a, a trail that's used yearly. I mean, it's a, a, a highway. For, it's like a perpetual annual yeah, type it's of trail. A, yeah, it's an annual trail. And then you got these other ones you'll see in the cattails that are here one year and then they fade away. And then, then two years later, it's back again, but in a different route. So it's kind of sporadic. I'm not so concerned about those. And so I'm looking for those annual trails and then I'm looking for places that I can get to, you know, and access these spots if I think they're going to be, you know, suitable spots. But I'm also, I'm just dropping pins and then I'll go out there and physically check them uh, by getting some boots on the ground. Um, Of course, I'm, I'm looking for where the deer might be coming from, if it looks like good bedding where they're going to, where, you know, the food source, if there's ag fields this way or whatever. I'm trying to figure out where they're going mainly in the afternoons. I don't, I don't care to hunt too much in the mornings. Um, I like to sleep in the one, but <laughs> I don't see a lot of deer in the mornings. You know, every once in a while you catch them coming back from a food source or whatever, but um, I'm more, my strategy is concentrate on where the deer are gonna get up from their bed in the day in the evening and head to eat. That's yeah. kind of what I'm looking for, so. Well, I've I've seen a lot of younger deer moving in the mornings, even like late like that doe mm-hmm. that that Cali track last year. That was well over an hour past sunrise. Yeah. That, that you, you'll kind of see that all year long. I see, yeah. I see it, and like I said, I've hunted in the mornings. And I don't see a whole lot of deer, but typically when I do see them in the mornings, it's not right at daybreak. It's usually you know hours after after light. I mean, it's well light. Occasionally, depending on where I'm at, I've. The few bucks that I've seen in the morning have been right at daybreak. I mean, yeah. like right as it's barely light enough to even see. But as far as the younger deer and the does, I, I tend to see those later in the morning. And I'm not really worried about hunting morning times, especially now that I'm kind of taking some cues from Dan Infall. You know, he, he basically, I, I loved it when he said that, that he doesn't hunt a lot of mornings and stuff. And I'm like, good, I'll just sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm gonna concentrate in the afternoons, and, and because I'm concentrating more on buck bedding, and and I can tell you now, I'm not gonna wait for a 150 or 160 buck to come out of a bed. If I'm that bed that I found yesterday that I think looks uh, dynamite, you know, when I sneak in there, if a nice a nice solid eight pointer or something comes through there, you know, I'm gonna shoot him. I'm not gonna be mm-hmm. waiting for it. <clears throat> I just wanna right now. I'm just playing with the strategy, to yeah. see how it plays out. It's like if you just get into turkey hunting. You're not waiting for a monster gobbler. You're probably going to shoot a Jake your first year. You're, you're just filling that, out this strategy. And, and I've hunted, like I said, I've hunted marshes for, for over a decade now, or almost a decade, I guess. And um, and my strategy, you know, I know how to hunt them. It's just now I'm just kind of concentrating on a different subject matter of how yeah. I hunt them. Well, and the other thing, too, I mean, when you think about a public place like that, it's like how many beds could you go out there and find if you had a week to go and look? Dozens and dozens oh, and dozens, yeah. right? How a, many? A week? How many? One hundred, one fifty, one sixty bucks are out there. Probably not that many. So it's like how many of those beds that you do find, you think, hey, I just found the big black bed. Like statistically, it's probably not a, a giant. No. And even even Dan, he's you know like he's mastered this for so many years. He'll still put in an awful lot of hunts. I don't think a lot of guys realize how much time he puts in before yeah, he, he probably hunts gets it as done. much during deer season as I hunt for turkey yeah. in the spring. So I, I hunted what thirty three days this past year. Yeah. He's probably hunting at minimum of that many during the uh, 
during the fall. And so it's like it's not it's not good odds hunting, but it's your best odds potentially yeah. at, at those older class deer on that type and, of And and that's kind of my th my thing. I'm I'm not worried about a 150 or 160 or, or bigger deer. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to out of all the beds, like you said, I've found hundreds of them out there already. And I'm trying to narrow down to which ones are bucks using yeah. and which ones are maybe an older buck, at least three, three and a half years old or older. So I may hunt these beds in a, in a nice eight or you know, bigger come out. Um, there's a good possibility I'll hunt these beds and, and a, a little forker comes walking out. But, you know, we'll see this fall how that, that plays out. I got to figure out a way to film my hunts this fall. And, and I don't want to tote a big camera arm in there and, I'm gonna probably concentrate on um, action cameras mainly. You may not get to see a tight shot of the deer, but I, I kind of want to document this just to. It's nice to go back and watch these. Yeah. The footage of it. Well, I'll show you this after we're done recording this. I'll show you the setup that I got for no camera arm. It's you. You probably could do something pretty similar with the cameras you got. Okay. And mine are pretty specialized for what they do, but. Well, I'm prepared like, to to purchase another one if uh, if it comes to that. Just yeah. to maybe get some. Uh, higher like I know you run one on your headband there it'd yeah. be nice to have a little mini camcorder that you know may not be the the top of the line but can get something you can zoom in or whatever even if it's a bow mounted type deal yeah yeah I've, I've played around with all that kind of stuff um so I, I'll have some good insight for for what you might want to try or what you think might work but actually doesn't really work that well because I'm in the same boat I hate carrying that camera mm -hmm. in there hopefully I can get Sam to record some of my hunts this year <laughs> <laughs> it'd be nice to have someone else to help carry some deer out for you yeah my yeah. biggest problem is not carrying the stuff in there it's breaking it down at the end of each hunt because you're always doing it in the dark yeah and it's like you're and then when it gets cold you got to deal yeah. with all that metal and it's it's enough to to hang a stand and you know and and all the other gear you have and i i'm i'm really going I'm minimizing what I carry this year. Last year, last couple of years, I've been carrying this big, um, this big pack, and it's a nice pack, but it, on its own, empty, feels like it weighs about 10 pounds, and it's it's got a meat shelf and all this stuff. And I'm prepared when I go out there if I had to kill a deer, mm -hmm. I've got all the gear in there to clean this deer and and hopefully carry most of it out in one trip. And I got thinking about it. It's like, you know, you go out there for 20 times. And you kill one a deer on one of those times, and I'm lugging this big, heavy, <laughs> all this gear in this pack every time. Just leave it at the Just truck. Just leave it at the truck. Go in there. If you kill a deer, then make one extra trip back to the truck to get it. You know, I mean, you're only going to have to do that once or twice a season, and then you can make your like right now. I plan on carrying my bow, my stand, and a little. I don't know if I'm gonna have a fanny pack or what right now, but it's gonna be something for a drink and a flashlight you know that's basically it and it's like it's like kill mode for turkey walk over yeah, a shotgun yeah i dump the turkey vest call. and everything i'm gonna i'm basically gonna carry my my bow and my stand is basically what i'm carrying out there and uh it'll make it so much more enjoyable i think than yeah. what it's been like not that i don't enjoy it. it just you know anytime you put you work so hard all summer make the deer hunting a little easier i guess yeah well late season too sometimes i'd like to hunt on the ground more often because you don't have to worry about climbing down when your hands are numb and yeah. stuff. And I did and that last you, year. You get, you get a little chilled. Up, oh, shooting light's done. Get up, start walking. Warm yeah. back up. I did that last year, and, and I ditched the, the stand. And I, I had some private land in Wisconsin that I had access to hunt, too. And even there, he had some preset ladder stands. And so I was leaving my 
my hang on set up in the truck. I'd walk down there and, and find me a spot next to an old fallen oak tree, mm-hmm. set beside it. And I used to hunt a lot on the ground when I was younger. I don't know why I got away from doing it so much. I mean, I occasionally do it anyway, but it just seems like I got to the point where I always wanted to be up where I can see. And if you just put yourself in a good spot to see deer and just keep stay alert, you can hunt on the ground and it's so much easier. Like you said, as soon as it's, you know, you're a little chilly and it's the end of the light, just get up and start walking. You warm up in a hurry. You don't have to yeah. sit there and piddle with screwing steps or well. And, and you made a good point. It depends so much on what you can see. I mean, you're hunting a lot of grass and stuff. You get up 10, 15 feet, and you can see so much better. Yeah. You can see them coming, you know, well before you would be able to on the ground. Yeah. Um, but then there's there's other times you get those wide open islands where you're tucked in on the edge, kind of right on the cattails. And yeah, you don't need to be in a tree. Sometimes a tree can can hinder you with the limbs and stuff and shot opportunities. Where if you're on ground level. If long as you set up where they can't see or don't bust you, you can shoot for thirty or forty yards in any direction because the yeah. there's no limbs down. On but the, it seems to always happen is you get those spots where there's just a little bit of elevation, and even sometimes like when you're turkey hunting on the edge of a field, you go sit down against a tree, you can't see anything. Yeah, the hill has a little there's a little lip to the edge of the field. You some of those islands more. are the same type of way. You get on the edge where you kind of got some cover, and you you sit down and you can't see even. Yeah, those the islands. Of the island. Most of them are mounds. Yeah. they're not just up and flat. And uh, one of the small islands I found, and, and I've I've kind of ruled that out that I'm gonna hunt it now. It's 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 got deer sign on it, and you can see where they laid down in the grass and bedding. But I just don't think it's those are gonna be very productive. And but I did when I went and scouted it. I sat down in the edge in the bushes, and I'm like, this is a perfect spot. I can see e- either way. And when a deer comes down, I'm thinking recurve because I'm gonna try to use my recurve this year. I'm like, as soon as it comes by me, I can. And, and hopefully that's the way it works out. But, <laughs> you know, that's an exception. Most of the times, like you said, those islands are a big mound, and yeah. you, you can't shoot very far in those. Mm-hmm. So what are you looking for other than beds right now to kind of say, like, like we, we touched on, on food a little bit where you said, like, you're looking at maps to see, like, what's close. Yeah. But how, how's that playing into you right now when you find a bed and you're thinking, I think he's, I think he's feeding that maybe... On, on these forbs and grasses now, he might hit this field. He might hit these oak trees. Like, how much is that? Play? A lot of it's a big guess. And one of the one of the strategies I I do I do um, do when I'm out there scouting <laughs> is um, I ride around. Now you can see on the maps where ag fields are on mm-hmm. private. A lot of times I'll ride around. If I can see them from the road, I actually drop a pin and mark what's grown in there this year. And the, beans or corn yeah, or this, whatever and this has got and then some fields are split up into like rye or or whatever grass tall grass is growing in between like one spot has corn and then all this grass and so i'm marking all that on there and then over here there's oaks and and there's so much food out there a deer's like a goat i mean they can basically eat anything i've seen them eat cattails i've seen them eat um was it um stinging nettles you know i've seen them eat all that stuff the tops of the nettles even in the summer when they don't need to be eating something like that. But they, I guess they, they know what part they can eat. But anyway, I'm a little off subject. I'm not so concerned about what they're browsing on or nibbling on. I'm looking for the main food sources. Okay, deer, no matter how much abundance of food they have out there, if there's a bean field, they end up in the bean field at night or they end up in these hardwoods at night at some point. So I, I kind of look for what's the main attraction. Mm-hmm. If you start trying to worry about all the the um browse and uh and 
what's what's the name of the stuff they eat um all the forbs and grasses or whatever yeah. else is out there anyway um you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to because it's everywhere it's everywhere I, right now for sure yeah exactly <laughs> now in, in the winter when the fall comes you're gonna you know it's gonna be crops and, and oaks and stuff and you want to concentrate on um one thing i mentioned in one of these my scouting videos i did recently was a maple tree and i think i mentioned to you before seems like anytime i can find a lone maple tree especially in these marshes i hunt like right on the edge of a marsh it always seems to have good deer activity in the fall right when the leaves are turning and they're dropping mm -hmm. and i don't know if they're if it's like a sugar maple and the leaves are sweet to them or what the the attraction is I've always had good luck around maple trees as far as seeing deer. It seems like the does come in. And it's mostly does and stuff, yearlings I see, but the deer seem to love eating on them. So anytime I find a maple tree by itself, like one of those islands I found, a big maple all by itself, I'll drop a pin. That may be a spot if I just want to shoot a doe or, or put some meat in the freezer that I target a trail next to that maple. And yeah. um, Otherwise, I'm... My main thing right now this year, because I am kind of more concentrating on bedding, is looking for where the main dry land is, because I think that's where they're going to head. You know, there could be you know a tamarack tree or 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 a willow tree out here that has a bed under it. Where's the trail that goes by? It? And you can see this on maps a lot of times. But if I was there in person, I also marked the trails of which way they were going, and I take pictures all the time mm -hmm. with my phone. I have the GPS on on my phone, and those photos I can open up in Google Photos, and it shows me exactly on, on Google Maps where that picture was taken, and it's private, so no one else can see it, of course, but um, I'm looking at, okay, where, what trail is this deer likely to hit, you know, based on what's down that trail, like a big mainland over here, even if it's near suburb, I mean, housing development. You know, mm -hmm. Deer love to go up in there and nibble on the bird feeders or whatever else they have. The people have their gardens and whatnot. So that's another thing I concentrate on. So I'm basically trying to figure out where's a deer going to head once it gets out of bed. And then my strategy is okay, where do I need to set up to intercept this deer? And uh, so that's kind of how right now I'm looking at. My main thing right now is finding them, and I'm taking pictures of specific trees while I'm there. And then, you know, as I accumulate it, which I'm getting close to finishing accumulating all this, I've, I've hit a bunch of public lands tracks. I've got two more I want to hit mm -hmm. before the summer's out. And, and then all these 30 or 40 spots that I have on there, I'm going to pick the higher odds, what I think are higher odds spots, and those are the ones I'm going to target. Yeah. Do you have <clears throat> particular spots that you're kind of saying, hey, these are going to be north wind access spots, these are going to be south wind access spots, or are you just kind of collecting what are right the best now, spots I'm, right I'm now? I'm not worried about the wind. I do give that a thought. It's like some of these spots I was at this island, like, okay, if, if the main thing is how do I approach to hunt that spot to begin with? Yeah. Wind's irrelevant. How do I get in there quietly? And then I get to think about the wind, and the predominant wind is usually north, northwest, or something like that. Occasionally you get a, a south or east wind. Um, but that's I'm not really giving that a whole lot of thought right now. I'm basically just gathering up all my mm -hmm. spots, and then then I will probably I don't know if I'll color code them or I'll do something on my mapping app that I'll say or my list or wherever I have it all stored, and I'll have all these stands listed. Okay, these are good south wind stands. These are that way I can just look at the weather for that day or the yeah. next day and say, okay, this is the list I have to choose from. It kind of narrows down to keep my mind from getting cluttered with too much info. Mm -hmm. so, 
So you're going to try and hit it hard early season, and are you going to hope to like try and fill your tag early, or are you planning on you're going to spread these hunts the course of the season and try to try to you know stay fresh and current and hope that those beds are being used throughout the year well ideally i'd like to be successful early on yeah and uh and i want to to get at least four or five hunts in you know uh with with sightings or i'd like to kill at least you know two or three deer this year a buck and a couple of does for the freezer last year I only got one doe and that's because i tracked a lot and uh and you know that doesn't go very far you know one deer right, right. when you eat it often um but i'd like to to at least kill a few, two or three deer minimum of two deer this year for the freezer i think if i have a successful february uh, february september that i'm not going to be so you know hard up to to hunt the rest of the the season i'll probably spend dedicate more time tracking on the days when it gets slow, then uh, I might slip out. There's, especially I've got Wisconsin as an option too to, to hunt, you know, so. Well, have these weeks of tracking are probably <clears throat> first two weeks of November, last week, October, right? Was that? Last, oh yeah, yeah when tracking. it gets close to the rut, that's when when tracking just calls, just skyrocket. And I mean, like I was on the road last year and I, the year before I did it, I, I was, you know, I'm off during the week. I, I get my 40 hours during the weekend, three days. And so I'm off during the week to track and, and to hunt. Most of my calls come in on the weekend, of course, but except for during the rut, because everyone's taking their rut vacation. Mm-hmm. And it's it gets hectic. I mean, I'm driving to a track and I'm getting calls and I'm trying to jot stuff down. I, a lot of times I have to pull over so I can write this down. Before I can even get driving again, I'm getting another call that may be in the area. And so I'm, you know, you're between tracking and handling calls to go for your next track and, and get all the information, it gets hectic. And so, I mean, you pretty much have to give up hunting for that, that rut period or, you know, yeah, no so way you can manage So you definitely all. want to try and get done yeah. as early as you can. And I like, I like warmer weather. I'm from the south, yeah. so I don't <laughs> like being out there when it's cold. Now, I've hunted in 10-degree weather and it's windy, and, and I've toughed it out through that st- sort of stuff. And I hunted, what? last year the year before i think last two years i hunted which would be the rut period i guess like november 10th or 11th somewhere in that area and i saw deer and stuff it was nice and it was a but it was those mornings that it was you know 15 or or 20 degrees but no wind and it was sunny i can deal with those i don't like when it gets super cold 15 mile an hour north wind yeah and overcast (laughs) count me out i mean at least with tracking that i you're moving when you're tracking and so you stay warm um the only thing is you get the sniffles a lot when you're out there your nose runs but otherwise um yeah if i can get it done i said by september i mean even if i go into october and, and don't get me wrong i enjoyed like when you get close to halloween yeah and that time of the fall of hunting i really like that the scrapes are popping up everywhere and the rubs the deer the bucks are really starting to to get in the mood um i enjoy that but you know my biggest uh enjoyment is the strategy right now the chess game because yeah. that that's what it is almost with these buck betting you're okay here's where i think he's going to be or one could be how can i get in there and get in position to get this specific deer i don't know which deer it is but i know whereas the way i've hunted in the past just travel routes it's like any deer could come down there and, uh, and yeah. now you just go set up and wait where this is more of a game like, um, uh, not a game, but you know, a strategy like in turkey hunting where I roosted a bird the evening before down with this guy that was from Illinois this past season. He came up to hunt 
we we got him to gobble in, in the evening. We went back to the room. I'm looking at maps. I'm looking at topos. Okay, where would he li most likely be roosted? You know, I didn't know exactly where it was, and I kind of guessed he was on this point. You know, now we got to get in there in the next morning. It's private land boundary. We got to avoid that. We, you know, it was a whole big strategy. And in the next morning, he was roosted right where I thought he was. He flew down and, and walked right up to us and killed him. So that's kind of what I'm applying this year. I want to take mm -hmm. that strategy. It's so much more enjoyable than just sitting there watching a trail where deer are just going to come by, or you hope they come by. But. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's why I, I kind of like it too. And I think that's why also I, instead of just focusing on one tract of land over the last you know five, ten years, I've kind of like you, I got a huge library on my, I had to start deleting waypoints on my Onyx because I had too many waypoints saved. <laughs> they, they capped me at 1,500 and I couldn't save any more waypoints. I've I seen just, your maps. I had to start they're, deleting they're, stuff. You're crazy. <laughs> Even Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Warbritton mentioned to me about how, either me or he was on the, one of the videos, he mentioned how much information you store in your apps. You're dropping pins for every little thing. Mm -hmm. and you know, To some it might be overkill. And I'm sure if you looked at mine, you can't even see like an island when you're zoomed out for all the pins that are on there. And then when you zoom in, it's like, all right, here's a maple, here's a rub, here's a scrape. And I found it again this year, you know, two years in a row, and mm -hmm. I put the date on there, you know. Um, here's a trail. I mean, there's a lot of pins on that, and it, and it helps, you know, when you, it's better to have too much information sometimes, but it also can hurt you. But I'd rather have more than I need than to wish that, I'd been more thorough in my scouting when I was out, actually out there on that island. Yeah. And then, you know. Yeah, a lot of times I try to keep it even somewhat simple on, on, on the uh, on the mapping side of things where I'll mark potential beds and potential tree stand spots and I'll have those with certain waypoints and then get out there, confirm whether, once they're confirmed, then they, I change the waypoint to something else and then I might move the tree stand, you know, mm -hmm. 30 yards to where the actual good tree is and then, you know, draw the little access trail so a lot of times most of the stuff on my map if i have a white oak i'll mark that yeah but it's it's just that simple but then you zoom out and you look at thirty thousand acres yeah it looks like nothing. it's just solid color because yeah. there's so many of those types of scenarios mapped out yeah i think i think if you're what we're doing is if we broaden our areas and, and pick specific spots even if it is multiple chunks I think it's it'll be more beneficial than like like I've done in the past and maybe you've done like I would hunt this one chunk of public and that's where I spent my whole mm -hmm. season I was hunting this stand and I'd go over here and you know and especially if I saw you know an area that I thought was really good I, I spent a lot of time in there and then a lot of times I didn't see anything when I was out there or I'd see another hunter and that kind of uh, kind of uh, somebody's hunting in this area also and it, and it kind of just you know, takes the air out of my cells and and so um, this year I think with so many even the different public tracks but having specific good spots that we think might be good spots that you can just fall back on and yeah. and it's always something new you're not looking at the same trees or, or a little opening in the woods and that you've hunted for two days straight and now you're just sitting there like this looking around like oh why am I even here I'm not gonna see anything Every time I go to a new spot, and that's the same with turkey hunting, I can go out of state. A lot of people ask me, how do you pick your spots? And I'm like, well, I look for something that just looks turkey, you know, what does if it has all the elements. And then I go in there and hunt. It may be the worst piece of public in the world, but the fact that I don't know that 
I go in there with a lot of optimism and, and I'm in a good mood about it. And I think yeah. by having all these spots that each day that I hunt, it's a new spot. It's a new day of hunting. I'm going to have that optimism. I'm going to be there, you know, on alert, waiting for a deer to pop out at any moment. Yeah, well, it's nice to have those, all those options mapped out for an A, B, and C, um, even if you haven't scouted it on foot. Because there's been times where I'm, I mark this spot that looks super remote, looks really good. It's got a lot of the textbook type of, of stuff that you would look for. And then make this big grand scheme, take this, this perfect access route in there. And I come to find out there was some non-marked access trail that, that four <laughs> trucks use, and it's just you, the sun Been comes there. up and it's loaded with hunters and hunter sign and start leaning deer. It's like yeah, we'll just cross all those, all that stuff off the map. I, that happened to me this past turkey season. I climbed this this hill and went up this forty-five degree mountain almost, <laughs> and I get to this top, and there's a there's an access trail that goes wraps around snakes <laughs> around the backside. It would have been so much easier. I'm like, what in the world? You know, but you know, you, you couldn't see it on the map. It wasn't yeah. identified, and so I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, that's one thing I like about hunting marshes. It's flat. You don't have to go up any hills. I mean, the only thing trouble is walking in the mud. But I'd rather do that than walk up hills like in the bluff country. The other thing I don't like about the marsh is the the poison sumac. Although oh, yeah, you, I've got it on my yeah. arms. I don't know. You probably can't see it. But you don't there. get it. You don't get it that bad. No. The last time we went out together, it looked like I had Popeye with a sunburn. <laughs> yeah. It. I. I used to get bad uh, allergic reactions to poison oak when I was younger, and I don't know if my immune system, if I got as I got older, has done changed. But now poison oak, I crawled through it one time turkey hunting, and there was a turkey I was after, and I looked down and saw that I was crawling in it, and I was like, I don't care. I'm gonna. You know, I'll itch a little bit. I'm good at this turkey. And I, I hardly got anything. And it's been like that for, for years now. It's, it hardly affects me. And then we got in that poison sumac, and it, it itched my arms a little bit and a few bumps, but it tore you up. And yeah. It, and then I just got into it again out there scouting. I was careful trying to avoid it, but I must have missed a few and, and rubbed against it. Um, it's broke out a little bit, but it's not severe. It's just around my wrist and stuff and just itches a little bit, but... Yeah, I've I've got pretty much a mental note of anything and everything that could possibly cause my skin to break out because I'm pretty set. Like, you know, all the poison whatevers, um, wild parsnip. Yeah, that's is a big one. That's the one thing I haven't. I don't know how to identify wild parsnips, and I don't think I've encountered it. And I hope I don't because yeah. apparently it's pretty bad. I, I got it a couple times, and it, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. it's you gotta get the liquid on your or get it on your skin and then expose the it to the sun and yeah. then it's Chemical like reaction it's like pouring hot grease on your arm yeah i mean it doesn't it, it never hurt whenever i had it there was no just pain associated with it didn't really itch that bad but yeah you got just monster that's what i'm blisters. saying it, it makes it look like somebody had poured hot grease on it maybe yeah. not feel like that yeah, but so it, looks, it looks like burns it's like yeah. a chemical burn and you get a little bit of scarring from it too yeah so that's for a couple weeks hopefully i don't ever have to deal with that yeah. Well, anything else that is scouting related that you're either looking forward to doing or, or think is noteworthy? Hmm. Yeah. The, the one thing that I'm surprised I haven't found. I've been I've been looking for a lot of old rubs. I've found some. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not. You think as many rubs as produced every fall. 
they would be scarred up on the trees, you know, and I'm not I'm not finding a whole lot of that. And that's got me kind of worried in some of these areas where I find a bed that, you know, even some of these beds I know are buck beds. There's a rub mm-hmm. next to it or old rub, but I'm not seeing them. If you're going down the trail to the woods, yeah, I'm not seeing any uh, one or two here yeah. and there. I think that's super area specific and it could be indicative of what's there in terms of age structure. Because there's some areas I go to where I know that, like you said, I'm finding buck beds, but there's just not a lot of rubs. And there's there's certain areas where it's rubbed up more than others. Um, where it's just like the, the specific cover type or certain size and type mm-hmm. of trees that will always have rubs on them. Um, but then there's other areas where the place is just torn up. Yeah. And if that's just every a, single a, tree, if it's just a competition thing, like like a different like when we went to southeast Minnesota, some of the spots we're in were like that, where it's just it was torn up everywhere. There's a there's a much higher deer density down that way, um, obviously than up here. Um, where did I see the the deer density for one of the areas I hunt a few years back, and it wasn't great. I mean, it was it was okay. That's one of the things that concerns me, though. Some of these places I hunt, you 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 see a lot of deer sign. It's not tremendous, but obviously there's deer out there because there's beds and there's tracks. But a lot of these areas I hunt have not only a lot of hunting pressure from the public because it is around the metro uh, for the most part within an hour in any direction. So you got and plus there's a lot of people Man. outside yeah. the metro. So there's potential of a lot of hunting pressure there, but then some of these have private land because they're marshes. They can they they have tower stands right on the border. Yeah, and they can shoot in here. And you think, okay, how many deer actually survive in this thing that make it to the next year? Because one of the ones I've, I'm going out to scout next year. I mean next week, sorry, that I haven't hunted in a couple of years, but I used to hunt there, and I killed a few deer in there. But I went out there in uh, I guess. Was it November or, or later? It was like 10 degrees that morning, and I hunted for a while. And then I was walking out in the marsh, just kind of walking around, and I found six gut piles from gun season. And the gun season wouldn't last a week or two. And I'm like, if I stumbled on six gut piles just by happen chance, yeah. how many deer got killed on this property? I mean, it must have been a pile of them. So, I mean, you, it gets you thinking... How many deer are actually surviving in this one particular area? And, and maybe, the, I mean, I'm sure there's a deer every once in a while that makes it to an older age and you a bigger yeah. buck. But, you know, that's, not, that's the only kind of thing in my back of my mind is, am I going to go out there and, and even though there's deer sign, is it the same five deer trumping <laughs> around this place over the course of a week? That Well, that's a, that's a trail cameras can hope that's the intent. Hopefully they get you that data. Yeah. And I, I got some private land that I'm, that I have access to to hunt. I hunted it last year and shot my doe, um, and uh, and that was kind of the reason I went up there because just from tracking, I didn't have a whole lot of time. I was like, I'll just go hop up and stand. There's there seemed to be a lot of deer there, mm-hmm. and I shot a doe, and I've just went and put cameras at it today. I put four cameras out. I think um, there is um, a little bit of a creek with some cattail type terrain that I'm really looking forward to possibly hunting. Uh, there's a good trail crossing on the creek and and I just love that. Um, I don't know what it is about a cattail marsh. I guess because a deer can just pop up anywhere. Because I mean they could be laying anywhere out there. And you can almost always hear them before you see yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. And and they feel safer there. And, then, and so there's a possibility of all day action really in some of these places. 
even though they have crop fields on this private and hardwoods and stuff, I'm looking to hunt that because I think it's going to be a good travel route and stuff. And so, you know, I've got that to fall on to. But I, last year it took him, the landowner or the, the guy that has the rights to hunt it, kept inviting me up there and come on man come up here and hunt i'm like i don't know something about public land that keeps drawing me to it i, mm-hmm. I don't know the challenge or whatever but um i don't want to be, be a snob to, to hunting private i will hunt it obviously <laughs> um but how much will i get on that private this year i don't know it's it's kind of a little drive for me but and it, the hunting's obviously good there but there's nothing like the especially with all the work i put in so far this summer scouting these yeah. public spots i want to that's just that's just it. You get more. It's more of a rewarding feeling knowing that you put in that. I'm work. invested. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I if I go in there and do all this scouting in the summer and then don't hunt, then I feel like I just wasted all my time. So, I kind of in mentally, I, I I have to hunt it some to make my work this summer worth it. So, yeah, that makes sense. But that's for the rest of the summer. I like I said, I only got a couple more properties to hunt or scout, and then I'm. I'm not going to do a whole lot of scouting other than that. I mean, I may, on the private, may change cameras out and check cameras every once in a while or something. Maybe go pre-hang a stand in a spot that I think is a lightly good spot and let it sit there until season comes in. But that's basically right now I'm just picking specific trees, and next week it might be the last week I do that, and then it'll be September, mid-September before I get in the woods again. Yeah, well, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording, that a lot of that stuff you're doing now, the best time to do it is in... February yeah. March time frame because yeah, you can get the same information you can see better and and you're not busting your balls through all that yeah that you showed me your drone sweaty. footage from March and and, yeah. and I'm I kick myself because the last couple of years I've been meaning to get out there but you know with my turkey hunting uh, and my video on my turkey hunts for the, my YouTube channel you know that's when I'm getting all fired up for turkey and I'm thinking turkey yeah. my deer is not even on the radar I've got shows I go to in January or February or whatever, and and then March I'm turkey hunting already in Florida. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you were out there in March deer scouting, and yeah. and and here I am out there turkey hunting. And the last thing I want to do is scout, but I'm kicking myself like right now because you know I see your drone footage and I'm like, man, it would have been so much easier to be out there scouting, and and I'm out there sweating right now and and going through muck. And the deer flies are horrendous, mm-hmm. and the mosquitoes are biting me. And then you're getting into the poison sumac, and I'm like, life would have been a lot easier if I just yeah. done it then. But then, what would I do during the summer? <laughs> Fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, that's. I like to get it to the point where, the only time I have to go out in the woods in the summer, to do deer scouting is if there's some place new, and I just I just can't wait until the season. I got to yeah. figure out what I got to see what it looks like. I got to see if there's somebody you got to stand back there, or if there's scent wicks, or if it just looks really good yeah. or if it's if it's wide open or if it's super thick stuff that you just can't really get from looking at an aerial photo yeah I've, and I've, I've liked what i've found so far in my scouting this summer and i've only found one spot that had human sign and like i said that one was a deer stand like 30 feet up in a tree and obviously it looks like something there there's perched so they can hunt the marsh during gun season i mean it wasn't put in yeah. a strategic area yeah, to watch a a trail. Of, i see a lot of that type of stuff where you got those yeah. those stands and who knows that, how long that stand's been there because yeah. the screwing steps that were in the tree look like they'd they'd been grown over yeah they're starting to grow over and either he hunts it every year or he or somebody put it up and never returned to it and it's been there for two or three yeah seasons. and that, that's one of the one of the only issues with 
people leaving stands out there. You see a stand and it's like, you gotta kind of evaluate, like, does this look like a stand that likely will get used? And sometimes I just look at the deer sign around there and try to evaluate that. Like, if I find a stand like that and it looks kind of old and there's a bunch of like really good deer sign, I figure he's probably not hunting there that well, much. Well, I, I found a good hunting spot next to the stand, or well, not far from it, 40 yards from it. And after looking at the stand and evaluating that it's been there a while, even if, and judging by where it was placed, it was probably a gun season stand later in the season. Mm -hmm. It didn't deter me that I'll, if I decide to hunt that location, I'm, it's not going to bother me that it's yeah. there. I'll just walk. But it does there. kind of stick in your mind that if it gets closer to gun season, it's like, oh, that guy might be coming out here. I'm going to probably hunt a different spot. Yeah. I'd probably hit one of those locations like the first couple of weeks of the season mm -hmm. and, and then abandon it. Obviously, like. The one spot I found where I think there's a buck bed right on the end of an island, I got two points, I could watch it. Um, that's going to be a, like a, a one or two and done deal. I may, depend on the wind, hunt one of the points, hopefully get eyes on deer. It, and then it may not come the next day, but maybe come back you know, a week later and, and do the same thing. Mm -hmm. If I don't see a deer there, you know, maybe even after the second sit, walk out there and look to see if the bed has even been used since I found it. I mean, to me it looked like there was some greenery growing in it, but it was, the ground was so bare and, and packed down from years of use or constant use that yeah. the vegetation was having trouble growing there. So it didn't look like it was being used right now, but it looked, definitely looked like something that might be used this fall or, or you know, as deer season approaches. Were there, people were, there oaks, were there oaks next to that spot? Yeah, just on on the inlands where the point yeah. that I'd be hunting. There so, was a so white that, oak and some red oak. That oaks. could be one of those things where he might not be bedding there now because he might have better food source right now. Yeah, but when the acorns start dropping. dropping, he'll bed there to, yeah. to hit the acorns at dark. So maybe that's a, you know, not a necessarily opening day, but an opening week stand you know, at some point in the first week of the season. Well, last year the, oak, the acorns were just raining opening oh, day. Oh yeah, it was horrible, the amount of acorns. I mean, I wouldn't say it's horrible. I, I, I enjoy uh, seeing a good mass um, because I know that means that the deer and the turkeys and all have a food source to help them get through these tough winters up here. So, you know, I don't, you know, one of my strategies years ago was to look for that, that white oak that was dropping and no oak, other oaks were. Um, I never had much, much success finding that lone white oak. If one's dropping, there's a lot of them dropping, it seems like. Yeah, you can find one that they they will come to it seems like but nowadays i just look okay are the acorns dropping and which ones the white oaks are they are they dropping pretty good you know and that on that situation where that bed is in those two points there's a white oak on one that looks big enough to produce acorns and then there's another white oak on the other one that looks too young it might produce one or two acorns but that's about it i gotta but there's more oaks up in the mainland in this situation i gotta figure out which point is he most likely to travel to based on you know the yeah. situation and that's that's what i'm concerned with and i think i i think i know which one it has well i think chance. that's one of those spots where you just you set up in the first the first point whatever whatever point is closer to your access i would think that's what i'm saying on the wind and then you, whichever one there, doesn't hunting. ruin your chance for yeah. a second sit yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. that i think that's the the one closest to my access because he either comes by and gets shot or he goes to the other one. And then the next time I go, I'll go past the first one and I go to the second one. Knowing my odds, he'll go to the, the first one. It's <laughs> yeah. another time for the yeah. day before him blow and out. And then, yeah, <laughs> go running out across the marsh. Yep.
Oh, if I see him head that way, I just get out of my stand and, and go boogie up to the woods. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or shot a flashlight and make him spook off. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to it and I mean unfortunately for me and well fortunately and unfortunately that whole first week I'm pretty much gonna miss. Yeah, you're going to be Colorado. Colorado. Elk hunting. Yeah. Dang elks. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get do out there uh, get out there and do that something one year, but if I go out there I might have to have some horses or something to pack these things out. I just can't see myself packing three miles of elk three miles out you know yeah. four trips it, it can be that's a quite a it can, yeah you almost yeah, doing a solo elk you got to have the right the right setup for that too no matter how good a shape i think you're in turkey you turkey turkey hunting is basically elk hunting for feathered creatures you know, so yeah. i'll just stick to turkey <laughs> <laughs> yeah my um you know i work weekends and that's usually when the opening day kicks off and and I usually don't take a day off to hit that opening week because then what happens is I go opening day and I'm out there with everybody. Yeah. And then and then I have to like if sometimes I swap with a coworker, I'll have them work the weekend and I'll work a weekday for them. Mm-hmm. Then the weekdays come and I I don't have but like two weekdays off because I swapped and then I'm kicking myself. Oh, I could have had the days when no one's out here. So. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to hunt some of these buck beds, so I'm really tempted to to either take the day off or swap with a coworker this year. Um, but at the same time, it'd be nice to get out there. Some of these spots, I don't think I'm going to have to worry about other hunters. I mean, it's just if nobody else is hitting those very pinpoint I can spots, wait till, it doesn't matter if it's yeah, a couple I can, days or I, The only thing I'd go out there is because I can't wait any longer. I'd yeah. take the day off. It's not because I'm worried about somebody's going to get to it first um, type of deal. So if I can just be patient. Normally what I do is as it gets closer, I look at the long-term forecast. If the forecast in the weekend looks better than the weekdays, then I'll swap yeah. or, or vice versa. So that's kind of my strategy there. I don't, I don't like hunting in the rain. Um, I, I Neither do your cameras. Well, I just don't like hunting in the rain. <laughs> I don't like getting wet. You know, like turkey season, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, you can't kill on the couch. So I'm like, I, I enjoy sitting on the couch dry more than I would sitting out <laughs> in the woods wet. So. I'll watch turkey hunting then. <laughs> so, what is what is your strategy this year? Basically the same, or yeah. So when I get back, I mean, for the months of basically that last week of September through October, basically just be bed hunting. Where, based on all the scouting we've been doing, you know, just island hopping for the most part. And is that how you're going to attack it all season? Um, no, up to the road. Not so, so basically up through you know that end of october period that's what i'll mainly be doing and if it's like the stuff we would scout it'll be island hopping and just kind of going in deeper mm-hmm. each time um depending on whether it's a you know north wind that day or south southerly wind um that'll determine where i would go and how deep i'd go in but then i think as it as it gets closer to that last week of october first week of november because this week the minnesota gun season is a little bit later it's they, not early like it was last uh, year. They moved it back? Yeah, it's like the ninth or 10th, I think, opener this year. When was it last year? The third? Third, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's nice then. So I think whereas that earlier season, it's it's as close as you can get to the bed, try and find, try and scouting out like on, on the fly to find the, the food source, right? Like 
hit that island that you wanted to get to, and if it looks hot, there's no tree dropping like on it, and if not, just move to the next island. Whereas like, as it gets that last week of October, then I start looking for more like like oh, there's a scrape that just popped up on this island, mm. like I'm gonna hunt it now. Versus if like oh, there's not that. So yeah, that I guess that that's kind of the strategy that, that Dan talks about finding that that hot sign to yeah. know that the deer's moved in there now, and and I guess that I'll adjust mine to that also if mm-hmm. I if I'm in a spot and I see. One of the things, you know, like you were mentioning, okay, you're, you're progressively going to move in farther. Yeah. There's some of these spots I've found that, that has okay-looking bedding on these islands, but the really good stuff is on the last one. So it's like, do you just go straight do to Do I jump straight one? in there, or do I risk and risk him actually being on one of these lesser islands? Well, I think you just got to, when you go in there the first time, because, like, for one, you're not going to have... 60 days in the field to knock these off one by one yeah so that's going to play into it so i think you go into the first one and you just observe like is there anything fresh attack. is there fresh tracks on it the big tracks if not you just keep walking to that second you keep going until the sign says i need to hunt this one one thing i'd i'd like to figure out you know is when people use this this strategy is how do they exit their stand you never see anybody talk about that at dark when you get down yeah. well if it's a spot and i'm not going back to for at least a couple of weeks, I'll just, I won't even worry about it. I'll just, just throw every, I'll, I'll literally toss the climbing sticks down. Um, yeah, I'm usually pretty noisy I'm anyway, noise. getting out of a tree in the evening. Yeah, headlamp, like doesn't, doesn't matter. If I'm gonna be maybe making a slight change, like maybe I'm moving over like 100 yards for the next day or something to hit like a little different batting off like a, you know, secondary point or something, then I'll try and be a little bit more stealthy. Yeah, I mean, because that's, that's one of the things I've always thought about. Okay, say you're hunting a bed that's, if you, that you've crept into and it's 60 yards away and and maybe you heard something get up but it didn't come down the trail you're at but then you didn't know where it went you know you heard yeah. it moving but now where's it at and it's dark do you make a lot of noise and and so he doesn't bust you or do you try to sneak out of there and then they bust you anyway i mean what is kind i don't of just, know if there's a good answer for it yeah you just gotta get out there usually i've always probably try and be <clears throat> stealthy my my thing i've always done i don't know how well this would work i've always turned on a, my headlamp and just yeah. look all the way around look for eyes any deer see it usually they're puzzled they're like looking up and their heads be bopping like this up in the towards the tree when you do see one and then they run off and i've always thought okay they probably didn't associate that with a hunter or a person they just yeah here's a light up in the tree well so here, back to your example of you, you get that deer that you can hear or see or whatever but you, he didn't come right underneath you. You don't know exactly where he ended up. Like, would your would your goal with trying to be stealthy, getting out of there, be like that you would come back to that same tree? Because what's to say that? Well, if you no. Didn't do that my the first goal would night, be my goal would be get out of there undetected, so I could hunt the same area, maybe not the same tree. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to blow like, him re- out of there where he wouldn't. Yourself yeah, to a little he, bit. To, I'd want him to bed in that same yeah. bed again. You know. So, I mean, I don't know. Like you said, I don't, this probably isn't a good answer. Anything could happen. And it, it being dark, deers, a deer's persona changes, and, and the way they go about things changes drastically when it's pitch dark and when it's daylight. Yeah, so some of that probably depends on age, class, and personality, mm-hmm. how much they're going to tolerate that or not. You might be just fine. You might be able to come back to the same. I know, I know for a fact, I know guys that have done a bed hunt like that come back the next day and shoot a a big deer big mm. old deer um, yeah even if it's not the same deer another one might right take that bed but right i think a lot of times like to think that 
you know, if it's a, it has to be a totally virgin set, and if you got your scent in there once, like, you might as well not come back to that same tree, but if you didn't come through the first night, I, that, there's, there's never, there's never any absolutes in deer hunting, so. Ideally, like in the video uh, where Dan sees, climbs up in his trees and he sees antlers, that's why I'd like for every buck bed to be yeah. <laughs> where I can slip them a tree 40, 50 yards away, and then by the time I get up there, I can see antlers, tines sticking up. Then I know there's one there. There's been a couple of his videos where he, literally the deer stands up, there goes the arrow. Yeah. That's cool. I, just, I wish he would do more videos uh, just to, just you know, showing his setup and out there, even if he doesn't see anything, just explaining why and what he's thinking yeah you know? well, i think those guys that go to like the scouting workshops and stuff i think a lot of those guys that have been to it they say it's a big eye opener because you get you get some stuff from the website and the dvds but actually being there in person they're like oh i didn't realize it was this close type of thing yeah and and that like i said that one spot that i i'm gonna be 40 yards away but i think there's enough cover that if I do it quietly enough, I can get up there and see it. Then there's other ones that just frustrate me. Like the one that's out there, out in the marsh a little bit, there's a tamarack tree, there's a couple tamarack trees and they're obviously well-worn beds. Mm -hmm. There's multiples. So I could see it one deer using, you know, based on however it feels or is whatever. Is the same deer using multiple trees? Or yeah, is or is it, is it multiple deer, deer using it because it's good spots. It's tamarack with a big shelf of dirt. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's no way to get out here to hunt this. I mean, you're you're anywhere from uh, 200 yards or more from the land and i mean i guess you could find if you're lucky i didn't see any tamarack trees out there big enough to get up into you know maybe that's a, a stepladder location <laughs> yeah. and you put it right behind it but, but they'd hear you i mean you just gotta and there's so many trails coming out of there which which tamarack are they at in this triangle of tamaracks and then which trail they're gonna take. And you climb, you go out there and you stand in the marsh and then nothing comes by you. But those are kind of frustrating to me personally, just because I know there's some good bedding there and I don't see a logical way to attack yeah. it. So I'm, I'm still gonna think on it because they're not far from that other one I've got to hunt. And if I hunt it and nothing shows up, I may even give that spot two days, you no know, two attempts, maybe not two days back to back. And then if I come up with a strategy to hunt those out in the tamarack, out in the tamar or out in the marsh, then go go about doing that. Yeah, those are usually those type of spots. I really like waiting until firearms, then get into a tree where you can observe and you get up 30 feet. And see them from a nice and high, so you can you can actually have a good panorama of some of those trails. Yeah, especially because there's not always cattails. It might be like that shorter grass type stuff. Yeah, there, I did see a one little clear, and it was similar to that, and I could see a, a gun being. Uh, useful in that situation. It's just, the problem is I don't gun hunt. I'm not opposed to it. I've thought about getting me a, a slug <laughs> slug barrel for my my turkey gun, but uh, I usually don't even worry about gun. By the time gun season comes in, it's you know in November and I'm winding down anyway mm -hmm. from hunting. I'm and I'm about had enough. I'm thinking about. Turkey I have a plant, switch. I have a plan turkey trips. For yeah, I have year. a switch <laughs> in my head that like. Before turkey season was over the year before, now this year I made it all the way to the end of turkey season, I wasn't ready to quit turkey hunting. The year before, 
I think it was because I jumped a really nice buck while I was turkey hunting the last week, and, and I, I went out there. I couldn't wait for the last week of turkey season to, to end so, so I could you, put trail cameras out. Yeah. And, and, and I scouted a lot last summer, and, and, and I hunted a, you know, a decent amount based on what I had to do with Cali, but um, by the time the season rolled in, um, I had scouted way too much, I think, and and I wasn't feeling it like I normally would. It wasn't as exciting as when I the switch turned yeah. in my head yeah. in the summer. Um, this year, I mean, I've scouted quite a bit this year, but I'm, I'm also pacing myself, I'm, and I'm finding some exciting things. Where last year, I just basically found deer with trail yeah. cameras and some trails. This year, I'm finding the actual bed, so that makes it really exciting to know you know, I'm finding doe bedding too, which I'm gonna target. There's one spot I found looks like deer bedding. They're constantly on this little mucky island with thick debris around it, and or thick cover. And I'm like, yeah, I could see setting up right here, and if I wanted to shoot a doe, one probably come off. So all those are making it exciting for mm -hmm. when the season gets here to see if those strategies actually play out. So I don't know how I got on that tangent, but there we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to do a follow-up podcast probably once you, once you put something on the ground. Yeah, and, and I'm like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to document it. Like I've been, if anyone goes to my YouTube channel, they'll see the, the two scouting videos, and it may be a little boring. It just shows me walking out in the marsh and showing the, some of the stuff I'm finding. I wish I'd videoed um, yesterday's scouting where I found those beds. I didn't. I had my cameras with me in my backpack, but I. Right, your cell phone though, right? I just used my cell phone and took some pictures. So yeah. when we can, sh you know, I can show them on this video here, on the video portion of it, um, some of the bedding. But yeah, um, I've, I've been documenting, you know, my scouting with cameras and I anticipate or I plan to, to do the same and probably the same style with the, the action cameras. Show me go in there, where I'm going, uh, maybe some mapping you may not get mapping of where i'm actually hunting but yeah. it'll be something similar so it kind of give you a feel for where i'm uh going and then um and then show how it plays out so i mean i think i i've always enjoyed filming my hunts and stuff deer hunting i haven't taken this quite as serious as turkey but i go back and look at some of you know i've have turkey hunts and deer hunts all the way back from the early 2000s and i go back sometimes i look at them and i'm like Man, I remember this hunt here. I wish I'd videoed it also. You know, I, I, I hate myself sometimes, but I don't hate myself, but I kick myself sometimes for um, not being more dedicated during deer season with the camera. You know, yeah. I can go back. It's nice to go back and relive some hunts, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, so where can, obviously if people are watching the video portion, they'll know where to find your stuff, but if people are listening to this on the podcast, where, uh, once again, can we look to find all of your various content yeah and so any of my videos um my turkey hunting which is calling all turkeys that's the name of that show and then the cali chronicles the dog tracking and then my deer hunting i'm just calling it public land whitetails it's really just the name of each playlist that's on my youtube channel you can go to youtube and just search up shane simpson and if you if you have there's i think there's a musician called shane simpson but mine usually pops up at the top it's me in a kayak with a doe behind me um, otherwise, just type in Shane Simpson hunting and it'll pop up my channel. Um, of course, on Facebook, I have a Facebook page for me, Calling on Turkeys and the Cali Chronicles, so all three of those. And, and I'm on Instagram also with Calling on Turkeys. But basically, if you find any of them, it's me posting to all three. Yep. <laughs> so, YouTube channel is um, 
that if you just want to watch the videos and stuff, that's that's probably where I would send you. That'd be my favorite place to go if I was looking for content. Because I like watching stuff. I don't like um, looking at pictures and reading articles. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sounds good. We can probably call that a wrap. Yep. <laughs>